A lot of you may know Ivar the Boneless from the show Vikings, where he is presented to us as a man who cannot walk. But is this the truth historically? Ivar was the son of Ragnar Lothbrok and Princess Elslog, and was considered to be the wisest and most skillful of warriors. Icelandic sagas even said he was a famous berserker, so it seems pretty far-fetched that a feared king of the Vikings who led men into battle didn't have the use of his legs. Today, I will be presenting accounts from different sources to determine whether Ivar was a hulking warrior or if indeed he was a man who was a cripple. The Gesta Danorum, meaning the Deeds of the Danes, is a work of Danish history by the author Saxo Grammaticus, written between the years of 1185 and 1220. In contrast, Ivar the Boneless was born in the 9th century, dying in the year 873. In the Gesta Danorum, Ragnar's throne had been usurped and many men had betrayed him, resulting in him needing to borrow the help from folk of every age. The Gesta Danorum states, Here too, Ivar, who was in his seventh year, fought splendidly and showed the strength of a man in the body of a boy. This passage clearly conveys that Ivar could fight incredibly well as a boy, portraying his future Viking warrior status. The book also states, Ragnar took Ivar to guide him since he was acquainted with the country, gave orders for a fleet, and approached a harbour called York. Here, he disembarked his forces, and after a battle which lasted three days, he made Ella, who had trusted in the valour of the Gauls, desirous to fly. This passage reflects that Ivar was already an avid traveller, having already been to England, as he was already acquainted with York. We can also assume that when Ragnar disembarked his forces, that Ivar was also fighting during the three-day battle. So once again, we can see that Ivar is the epitome of a Viking, being a travelling warrior. Ragnar completed a year of conquest and then, summoning his sons to help him, he went to Ireland, slew its King Melbrick, besieged Dublin and received its surrender. Ragnar summoning his sons could very well mean Ivar was there helping him in Ireland conquer the land. But this account of Ragnar and Ivar in Ireland could mean a number of things. The first could mean that Ragnar could have been Godfrey of Lochlan, a key figure in the emergence of Norse influence in Scotland, and one of the early kings of the Isles that dominated the Irish Sea in the early Middle Ages. Very little is known of him, including his origins and the true nature of his kingdom. However, in the Annals of Ireland, it states that Imar is the son of Godfrey. Imar was a Viking leader in Ireland and Scotland in the mid-late 9th century that many historians believe to be Ivar the Boneless. He founded the Uí Imar dynasty, which ruled much of the Irish Sea region, the Kingdom of Dublin, the western coast of Scotland, and some northern parts of England. Imar is mentioned in the annals in the 860s, but disappears from the Irish historical record in between the years of 864 and 870, coinciding with the great heathen army's conquest of England, which Ivar led. This is further evidence that Imar and Ivar are in fact the same person, and if this is the case, he would have stood side by side with his fellow warriors and forged his kingdom in blood. The saga of Ragnar Lothbrok and the tale of Ragnar's sons 
are two 13th century Icelandic sagas telling the story of a prestigious clan of Viking warlord kings set in the 9th century at the height of the Viking Age. The author is unknown. According to the tale, Ivar's name Boneless was the result of a curse. Ivar's mother, Auslog, would warn Ragnar that the pair must wait three nights before consummating their marriage. Ragnar disregarded this, and he was overcome with lust, and Ivar was conceived that night. However, the consequences of what happened is that Ivar was born boneless. Three nights together, but yet apart. Shall we bide, nor worship the gods as yet? From my son, this would save a lasting harm, for boneless is he thou, wouldst now beget. The origins of Ivar's epithet of boneless are largely debated. The name could have originated anywhere from Ivar having a hereditary disease, to a mistranslation or misinterpretation of perhaps an ironic nickname. The Danish historian Knud Seedorf described Ivar's symptoms in the sagas as being consistent with brittle bone disease. Another theory is that Ivar's nickname should be interpreted as the hated, as the Latin word for hated and boneless are very similar. Another simple explanation for Ivar's nickname could be that in Norse legends and traditions, they gave ironic nicknames to warriors. So Ivar may have been a very large man, as is attested in the sagas, with obviously huge bones. However, according to the Volsunga saga, a late 13th century Icelandic poem, Ivar was very handsome and had strong, broad shoulders. But his lower limbs were so weak that he had to be carried about. A mid-12th century poem called the Hatelkil explains Ivar was actually without bones. It also says that he was a skilled warrior with a physical form as flexible as a snake. With these two sources conveying Ivar had weak bones, it's evident why many people believe he was unable to walk. According to the saga of Ragnar Lothbrok and his sons, Ivar the Boneless was king in England for a long time. He had no children because of the way he was, with no lust or love, but he wasn't short of cunning or cruelty. This passage in the saga could perhaps convey that Ivar was impotent. However, this is not possible if Ivar is the same person as Imar, as Imar had several children and founded the Ui Imar dynasty. Other theories suggest that since his brother Sigurd was known as Snake in the Eye, Boneless may have referred to his physical flexibility and agility. According to some Norse sagas, Ivar is depicted as leading his brothers into battle whilst being carried on a shield wielding a bow. While this could indicate he was lame, in the early medieval periods, leaders were sometimes born on the shields of their enemies after victory, which was an act of disrespect to the defeated side. This very well could have been the case when it comes to Ivar. Ivar's father would die at the hands of King Ella of Northumbria. In the year 865, a mighty Viking army would appear out of the mists of the North Sea and landed on the East Anglian coast. This was the largest invasion of England since Roman legions had landed on the shores of Britannia back in 43 AD. According to the tale of Ragnar Lothbrok and his sons, Ivar, 
he who held a court at York, had an eagle hacked into King Ella's back. King Ella was sacrificed with the blood eagle, and Ivar then made himself king over that part of England. Could a man who was weak in body be trusted to act as one of the leaders of the great heathen army? There could be an argument. As the sagas often describe Ivar as being masterfully intelligent and cunning, in the Gestad Norum, it even states that Ivar was cunning and tricked King Ella into giving him land. He was also the mastermind behind Ella's destruction. Would the Vikings had followed a man who was a strategist and not a fighter? This is uncertain for a warrior culture who, above all, respected strength. The English chronicler and monk Simeon of Durham wrote of Ivar's reign of terror. Far and wide, it destroyed churches and monasteries with fire and sword. When it departed from a place, it left nothing standing but roofless walls. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle tells us that Ivar fought the army of King Edmund, and the great heathen army crushed his forces. Elfric of Ensham, an English abbot, described what happened after King Edmund's defeat. King Edmund, against whom Ivar advanced, stood inside his hall and mindful of the saviour, threw out his weapons. The impious one then bound Edmund and insulted him and beat him with rods and afterwards led the devout king to a firm living tree and tied him there with strong bonds and beat him with whips. In between the whiplashes, Edmund called out with true belief in the saviour Christ. Because of his belief, because he called to Christ to aid him, the heathens became furiously angry. They then shot spears at him as if it were a game, until he was entirely covered with their missiles, like the bristles of a hedgehog. When Ivar the impious pirate saw that the noble king would not forsake Christ, but with resolute faith called after him, he ordered Edmund beheaded, and the heathens did so. While Edmund still called out to Christ, the heathen dragged the holy man to his death, and with one stroke struck off his head, and his soul journeyed happily to Christ. After the death of King Edmund, he became known as Saint Edmund the Martyr due to his bravery against the villainous Viking invaders. He was well loved, with a cult flourishing after his death. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle also describes the devastation. They came to Medeshamsteed and burned it down, slew abbots, monks and all that they found there, and that place before was rich. They reduced to nothing. These accounts of Ivar slaughtering kings and religious figures may have led to his nickname being the Hated, as he would brutally kill many people, whether it be in battle, raids, or ceremonially executing kings, as he did with King Edmund and King Ella, who were both brutally murdered in different ways. Edmund was filled with javelins and was then beheaded, and Ella was killed with the Blood Eagle, a ritual form of execution saved for the most hated of enemies, where the victim would essentially have all of their ribs hacked down and their lungs would be pulled out of their body so that they resembled an eagle. All of the accounts in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle from the different chronicler monks have all said the same thing. Ivar was spreading terror and death across the land. 
This could reinforce the theory that Ivar's epithet means the hated, due to a mistranslation as the word for boneless and hated in Latin are very similar. Ivar gave great cause for the English to hate him during the Great Heathen Army's initial occupation of England, and this is reflected in the Chronicles, so there is a good argument for his name being the hated, in which case he would have been able-bodied. After much devastation in England, in the year 870, Ivar's brothers sued for peace, and Ivar again disappears from English records. Ivar would re-emerge in Scotland in the Kingdom of Alt-Cult. This further proves that Ivar and Ivar are the same person. Ivar would take on the ambitious task of taking Dumbarton Rock, a castle that was the only surviving Britonic kingdom outside of Wales. Ivar would besiege the castle for four months and starve his opponents out. The Annals of Ulster record that once the siege had ended, many prisoners were transported to Dublin to be sold into slavery, as at this time, Dublin was a leading slave market in Europe. After this, Ivar returned to Dublin and was known as King of the Norsemen of all Ireland and Britannia, and also being the King of Dublin. If Ivar and Imar are indeed the same person, then Imar's kingdom in Dublin, being the capital of the slave trade in Europe, as well as him destroying the last Britonic kingdom in Scotland, who were a group of ancient people of the Celtic language, who inhabited Britain from the Iron Age, this would have made him hated to many people, reinforcing the theory that his nickname actually translates to the hated and not boneless. The Annals of Ulster record Imar's death in 873, and Ivar disappeared from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle in 870. However, the later Icelandic source said Ivar the Boneless was king in England for a long time, and he died of an old age in England and was buried there. The life of Ivar the Boneless remains a complete mystery, even down to his death. Professor Martin Biddle of Oxford University has made a compelling case, claiming the skeleton of an 8 foot 5 tall Viking warrior discovered during excavations at Repton may be Ivar the Boneless, which contradicts the theory that Ivar suffered from brittle bone disease. The body was surrounded by the bones of 250 bodies, conveying he was an important Viking warlord. The excavations revealed the warrior died a savage and brutal death, as was Ivar's way. According to legend, Ivar's body was brought back to England at his own request, and was buried on the coast to act as a talisman to prevent further conquests of his kingdom. 13th century Icelandic sagas describe William the Conqueror's actions. He went to the burial site and broke the mound and saw that Ivar's body had not decayed. William had a large pyre made, upon which Ivar's body was burned. After burning the warrior's body, William himself, a descendant of Viking chieftain Rollo of Normandy, went on to conquer all of England. William the Conqueror burning Ivar's body means the examination of the alleged corpse would be impossible. So many mysteries surround Ivar's life. Was he a cripple, 
or a berserker that was famed amongst his warlord brothers? Was he also Imar, the king of the Norsemen of all Ireland and Britannia? Was his name a mistranslation? And does it actually mean the hated? And finally, was Ivar the 8 foot 5 Viking corpse which is claimed by Professor Martin Biddle? Or was his body burned by William the Conqueror? Or has his body simply not been found? I personally think, based on all this evidence I have read, that Ivar was a Viking berserker and was also a very capable warrior. I also think he was the same person as Imar that was depicted in the Irish Chronicles, but I am unconvinced about the skeleton theory and the William the Conqueror legend. The mysteries surrounding many aspects of Ivar the Boneless from his name to his death are intriguing. Anyway, let me know your thoughts and arguments down below. I hope you all enjoyed the video, if you did, make sure to like, subscribe and share, and I'll see you all soon for another History Profile. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.